1: Well, this is the podcast version of Forever Blue, which is the XS Manchester 106.1 FM City Show every Tuesday between 6 and 7. Various uh, different players like uh, Paul Lake, Sean Golter, David White join me in the studio. Uh, But this week, I was joined in the studio by Mike McLean, who is uh, in City Square, comedian, worked on uh, The Big Breakfast and... Uh, all sorts of other stuff and very very funny man who's got his new book out so he's in the studio with me we talked to Sean Golter and to Mark Lillis two former city strikers on the phone so obviously uh, sit back enjoy this is the forever blue podcast XS well, very Manchester. good evening and welcome along to Forever Blue, which is one hour dedicated chat to Manchester City right here on Excess Manchester 106.1 FM. Now, we'll be talking to a couple of uh, ex-City players uh, in a short while, but neither of them are with me in the studio tonight. Um, I have instead a very much a City icon of sorts, Mike McLean, who is, uh, is is not only a City Square um, star... And on the pitch and everything, but also a lifelong blue from from round here as well. So you've got all the credentials, Michael, haven't you? I have every credential that you need to be a
3: City fan. I've been through that bad time, now I'm enjoying the good times, cried through
1: the bad times,
3: laughing through the good times.
1: So what was your emotion as you were watching the Burnley game? At the weekend, because I, I you know what, I talked to some people at half time and I was actually surprised that they were going, oh, I did not think they played well in the first half. And I'm thinking, this is dream football. What are you talking about? They must have been watching the game with their eyes shut. I think I'm like everybody else. If we
3: haven't scored within the first three or four minutes, I'm thinking, what's going on here? Has he got the right team? Has he picked the right players? Um No, I think we played great football, nice football. It was nice to see Mari start, you know, and I thought he was outstanding. I'm just in awe of Bernardo Silva. Me I'm actually too. a massive Bernardo Silva fan. Don't get me wrong, love David Silva. Probably the best player we've seen at City. But Bernardo Silva is just... And, and Sane is just on fire, isn't he? So, you know, I, I just... I love the football that we're playing at the moment. It's lovely to
1: watch. Bernardo Silva, you're right. I mean, you you couldn't have said more magic words as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he is he's come in from Monaco. The, the, when he came in at... at during the summer of that season, and somebody said to me, "Who's going to be the big star now of the new season?" I actually picked out Bernardo Silva. He's had a season to adjust. It took David Silva a little while oh, to yeah. get right yeah. as well, didn't he? But now he's absolutely clicked. I mean, it, it, some of the skills, that the movement, and he's so assuming Have you met him? Man, you had a chance. Never to met to him? him.
3: No. Apparently, his wife came for a job at City Square and didn't get it. She just wanted a job at City Square. Uh, unfortunately, she didn't get it. But I wish she had got it. Um, because I had 101 questions to ask her. I do remember when David Silver played. I remember watching him. He's, he's one of his first games. I think it was Spurs away. And I thought, God, who's this player? He's lightweight, you know. And i was just thinking, oh my God, he's just terrible. And uh, But I remember Bernardo Silva when we played Monaco. And I thought, God, that player is awesome, isn't he? He's just unbelievable. I, again, with Mendy as well. And when we bought him, I was over the moon, literally like never been so happy about a player and so excited. And then... He didn't get his time. He was it was on and off and on and off. And suddenly, when he had a run of games, you just thought, oh, yeah, now you can see why Pep's just suddenly gone, get him. And, and he's just a, a, unbelievable. I mean, some of the stuff that he does, I'm probably the same as you and every City fan, going to be gutted and devastated when David says, look, it's time to go. But I'm so chuffed and happy that we've got somebody that can just go in, into his shoes.
1: You remember when uh, Burkovich and Bernabé were oh. playing together at City, and there were people, believe it or not, because in retrospect you can you say how how would they even think that they can't play together? In the those same two. team, yeah. And it's the two Silvers doing the same now, isn't it? Yeah. Because some might argue two left-footed, two small players, very similar, arguably in the way that they play, but they. They're absolutely perfect together, oh, aren't they? Uh, brilliant, brilliant.
3: I think what a headache for Pep Guardiola to, who does he drop now? Because De Bruyne, the king is back. Lovely, lo, uh, sorry, Long live the king. But who do you take out? Who do you take out? And I'm sure that, like you and every other City fan, when we lost De Bruyne, I thought, ooh, you know. But actually, we've been ticking just perfectly now. And the reception he got on Saturday, De Bruyne, and to come on
1: for Bernardo Silva was lovely to see. So, But who do you drop? Absolutely. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's an it. You know, drop Edison. Take Edison off. <laughs> we hardly use him. Let's be honest. We hardly
3: use him. The poor bloke's bored. I mean, I've I've got him some Sudoku books and thought, have a little go, of them son, while you're on. Just get rid of him. We don't need him. We've got a great back four, three, whatever.
1: And just have another player on. Well, somebody said to me earlier today, you know, John Stones has has been playing really well and, and he was playing in a slightly different role and, and you know, playing at right back or whatever. He can play in deep midfield. And I said, how can you judge him on a game like that against Burnley? Nobody can really analyse a defender or a goalkeeper yeah. when the team is so dominant in possession And and the opposition maybe have one pot shot in a game. How do you judge
3: them? You can't really, can you? And the other player that's played well for me is Laporte as well. He's come on leaps and bounds, and like literally, he's just you can see him and Stones being being like. I hate to say this, but the Bruce and Pallister of the day. Because let's be honest, footballing wise, they were two great centre halves. And I think Stones and Laporte, I think, would probably be Pep's first choice. You know. God bless Vinny, he's just a little bit slow and it showed that in the first minute when he got to... Um, do you think it was a red card? I did actually, yeah. And I also thought I thought um, Sane was lucky not to get a, a book in as well because that was just petulant really. It was silly, you know. And if I'm really honest, if, if that had been the other way around and somebody had done it to City player, we'd be like, look, that was a red. So yeah, and that's just that him just being that yard too slow. So, you know, I think, as I was saying before, Laporte, great, great player.
1: I tweeted out on Saturday night after I watched Match of the Day that I thought Vinny, who's my hero, yep. I mean, I absolutely idolise him. Uh, should have gone for that and a few people have said to me well he, he wasn't looking at the, the player he wasn't it wasn't premeditated and i agree he wasn't and it wasn't premeditated and it never would be with no. Vincent Kompany uh, but it doesn't have to be premeditated does it and and somebody else said reckless can mean a yellow card but i think you nailed it when you said if you look at it the other way around and that had happened against the city player You would have wanted a red for that, wouldn't you? completely.
3: Completely. All day long, you'd have gone, that's a red, that's a red. And and the pundits on Match of the Day were right. I did like the line that Gary Lineker said, well, he went for the ball and
1: he got the ball. (laughs) The wrong ball. (laughs) Now... We are going to talk to two ex-City players and get their verdicts on how City are playing at the moment, which is normally what we do right at the beginning with whoever's in the studio with me. And we've done a little bit of that now, but I also want to talk to you about you. Uh, not, Not everybody who goes to City Square and sees you in City Square will know your story. Um, but you have had a fantastic career in your business. You, you, you know, you were on uh, Richard and Judy uh, and various other things, and you've got this book coming out, and I want to ask you about that as well. Oh, um, but you also were a budding footballer at one point. in your Did like... yeah?
3: I think when I was about twelve or thirteen, it was one of those that they came to the school. They selected people for eleven weeks at Platt Lane. Brian Kidd was our coach, and off you go every <laughs> Thursday. I'd grab my bike, travel down there, and do the you know the training thing. And at the end of the 11 weeks, it was just one of those, you know, you're not quite good enough or you're just a bit too short. And I was back See, then. Ironically. which is Yeah, but <laughs> back then, Ian, back then they wanted the big players, you know. And I was small. I was a small kid from, you know, born in Spain, lived in Levenjum, come back. And I was small, but I used to get on my bike and cycle. And I tell a story in my book about how I'd cycle there and how I'd, you know, I just remember that the, the, the call, cool, you know, that, right, stay, 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 I'm afraid you lot. It was like the X Factor of the day, you know. And Brian Kidd was very nice a lot, you know, keep practising, keep working at it, you know. But in those 11 weeks, I learned a few things and I don't regret it. And I was gutted though, I was gutted. I remember cycling home with tears, just, my coat was drenched, it wasn't even raining. And I was just absolutely gutted.
1: Were there other players in that group that did make it? I can't remember, to be honest with you, And I can't even remember what colour underpants I put on this morning, <laughs> if I'm really honest. <laughs> well, obviously you didn't make it, um, but you've got there in the end in a, in a different way because you're involved in City every week, Um, is that is that fun? Is that is that hard work or how? how it's a lovely.
3: Jo- it's a nice little gig, isn't it? Um, City Square, you know, the pre-match beforehand, you, you and you go on there and you. It's not an easy gig, you know. There's about fifteen thousand people there or whatever there is around the game, and they're all on on the bar on the right hand side. they and you've got to grab them. You've got to grab them, and it's it's probably one of the toughest gigs I've ever ever done, and I've been there what four seasons now, and now. Just now, people are going, Oh, we go to City Square because of the fun. Not just myself, Nigel, as well. And let's be honest, Danny and Nat and and Hugh, they all do a great job. They do a different job to what Nigel and I do. We supply the funnies, we have a chat. But it is a difficult job, but it's a nice job. And it's, you know, to get paid for what you, I've always said to my boys, to get paid for something that you really enjoy. And, and it's a nice little gig, really.
1: And you get to to meet some of the ex players, and presumably yeah. some of the current players as well.
3: Yeah, you meet a few of the ex, a few of the current, um, and it's always nice to see the ex players. You know, they come on stage. Dennis Tudor was always an idol of mine, and and now he's a friend of mine. It was lovely to see Gary Owen as well, Peter Barnes. You see all them. Joe Corrigan was my hero growing up. For some reason, I love Big Joe, and I see him every week. And you know, and the others I know through uh, a mutual friend of mine, Kevin Horlock, who's one of my best mates. So it was, it is nice, and you have a little laugh with him and. I don't know about you, but I love the stories from when they when they played. You know, I, pl- I was lucky enough to play out in uh, in Spain in a celeb game once with Paul Gascoigne, and I just didn't want to leave the dressing room beforehand because the stories he had were just fantastic. You know, and there was Lee Sharp and Brian Robson. So when you got them three, just telling stories, you 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 know as well as I do, you just don't want to go, do you?
1: Well, on that basis, I've invited you in to tell me one or two of your showbiz stories. So come on. Dish some dirt, tell us a story or two. If you buy the book. <laughs> don't on. hide behind that. Come on, you've got to tell us at least one or two.
3: There's loads of stuff. I mean, there's this story of how I started off in Nickelodeon. Because I started off in Nickelodeon, then I wrote a show called Madfrit went there, and then from there went on to the Big Breakfast. I think the Big Breakfast was probably the the fun days, you know. And then I was fortunate enough to do like the off- the Office Christmas special was probably the best. I had to I got my agent rang and sort of said, look, you know, um, have you seen The Office? And I was like, no. And everybody was raving about this office, you know, this, on BBC. And they said, oh, Ricky Gervais. And I'd interviewed him at the Comedy Awards before he was... He said, he wants you to um, have a read of this part. So I get this script and I'm like, right, okay. I go and read it in front of Stephen Merchant and I'm like, right, okay. And they're like, yeah, all right, no worries. Nothing. And I think, oh, okay. So a week later I get a call and they said, look, you've got to go back to the BBC, but this time read in front of Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. So I remember going in, there was a bowl of sweets there. And uh, he said, hi, how are you doing? I was like, oh yeah, good, you know, and he knew me and I knew him and uh, and, uh, he just, he goes, have you seen The Office? And I went, well, you know, um, and he went, you haven't, have you? And I went, No. And he was like, right, so we're giving you a job. And he was ripping them. He's just ripping it a bit. So at the end, I read. And, and I just remember these big bowl of sweets on the table. And he went, I said, oh, can I have one of them? He went, yeah, yeah, take, take one, take one. And he was telling me about the office. And I just picked up the bowl of sweets and poured them all in my bag. I went, oh, the kids will love them. And just zipped <laughs> it up. And he was just crying with laughter, really. He was just he was just laughing. And, and from that, I think I probably got the gig. I don't know whether I was right for it or not. But and I did get it. And he was just a really nice man. But all he wanted to do was, when we were filming the Christmas one, he just wanted to make you laugh. He just wanted to make you laugh and make you laugh. And he didn't. We blocked it in the morning. We rehearsed it in the morning. Come, come in the afternoon, we were ready to film it. All the extras are there. And I remember I was on on this stage with Bubble. It was Bubble from Big Brother and the the guy from the Halifax adverts, you know, with the glasses, I can't, yeah. Howard. Yeah, I would, yeah. And I just remember this big, big fat lad going, How's he got this? And I just couldn't stop laughing. And then Ricky Gervais came on dressed as Austin Powers, didn't say the line that he should have said, and just threw me. And I just, for the next about half an hour, I just couldn't stop laughing. Just couldn't stop laughing. Stephen Mitchell was brilliant. He was just like, don't worry, he does this all the time. And I was so apologetic I'm I'm so sorry So, and then I couldn't remember my lines I was like can I just have a look at the script again you know and then he started ripping me for not knowing my lines so, he was good he was a really nice guy I
1: was a big Ricky Gervais fan I'm so jealous
3: oh he's lovely Re- I really, and I put in a line I remember putting an ad-lib in and I said I'll, I'll take that he went no 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 keep it in keep it in because at the time there was Howard he was going who gives you extra and I got the crowd to go who 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 and if you watch the clip they actually say it and he went keep that in keep that in
1: brilliant you work with Richard and Judy. I mean, since we're in Manchester, we're here in yeah. Spinningfields, where Excess Manchester studios are. Um, obviously, I, I, the other person I'm a big fan of is Steve Coogan and uh, yeah. Alan Partridge. And I can't help looking at Richard and thinking, <laughs> surely that's who Alan Partridge was uh, was idolised on. I asked him one day. On.
3: I asked him one day in the office. I said, "Is it true that Rich, you know uh, Steve Coogan based Alan Partridge on you?" I can't repeat what he said, but it went the long lines of no. <laughs> and he was sort of laughing. Said, no, they were they were really nice. I think I think if Richard Blackwood was doing like the bits that I was doing beforehand and Judy didn't take to him for some reason. And then I got a phone call from a producer saying look we're doing an old outside broadcasting Blackpool can you do it? And I was like yeah yeah. So I went to do it and uh, he remembered me because I'd given a cake to him to say goodbye to this morning. And I did it and he was like oh that's brilliant, you know. And that Simon Ross who's Jonathan Rossy's one of the Ross's brothers he didn't actually like me he was like oh, i don't know i don't know but ben Adler, who was the commissioner of channel 4 was like oh i like mike we can you know get him to do these six reports and uh, i did these six reports and smashed them like you know and then that was that, that was it then for 7 years i was i was with work, working with him
1: Fantastic. Well, now you're at City. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the first time I came across you was junior in blues. the Pantomimes, yeah. um, and you, you work with kids brilliantly. The Junior Blues have gone now from City. I know they still... Such a do, shame. Yeah, it is. I was going to say, it's a, the club's grown brilliantly, and we, we all want to see it expand and get better. That is the one thing, and I suppose it's difficult for you to do it, given that you work for the club, but... It's the one thing that I feel is such a shame that they've lost some of the smaller touches because I used to love doing the junior well, blues. Well, yeah, of
3: course we did. We both did them together and there was a lovely lady there called Liz Douglas and Liz Douglas was probably the backbone of that junior blues. She's still there. She, I know, I see her. I can't believe she's 116 now. <laughs> but I remember her ringing me up when I was at Nickelodeon and asking me to do it and my agent was like, is there any money? And she went, no, but I will give you two free tickets to every game. But the fact that she rang up and just asked, I love that and I met her and... and Like you, we've got a lovely relationship with her. She's been, you know, pleased to say you're a great friend. She's a lovely friend. And she was brilliant. And and I'm the same as you. I grew up with the Junior Blues. And I think that's the one thing. I mean, we do a great thing every week now at City called City First Timers, which I introduced this year. So if you come to the game first time, you get a lovely certificate of the game that you're a first time. And I think it's a lovely thing, you know. and, And it was one of those things I really wanted to do. They said yes. We kept in. But the junior blues, I do, because remember that, that little badge, the Manchester City crest, and you got that if you were a junior blue. You played for the junior blues, which I did. But it isn't, it isn't there, and I think I just wish if there was one thing that the club said, what would you like to bring back? That would be the thing.
1: Do you think? I mean, and again, this is a very difficult question for you to answer, and I don't mind if you duck it because I'd understand it. But do you feel that there is a concern from some supporters that maybe? They're losing a little bit of the soul as they get bigger and they develop into this world force. There's just a little bit of it going. I still, I personally think, just for what it's worth, there are still people fighting to try to keep that soul. But I can see it sort of a bit seeping away.
3: We've had to evolve, haven't we? There's no doubt about it. We've had to evolve. And if 20 or 30 years ago we we were told that this was going to happen and we could, we'd dominate the league, United... But we're going to lose that little bit of. Would you have taken it? Yeah, I probably would have. I'd have said, oh, "All right, okay." So the sacrifices, and I think that's unfortunately one of the sacrifices that we've had to sort of lose in order to be where we are now. I do think, yeah, if I'm perfectly honest, yeah, I do. I miss Main Road. Don't get me wrong, I love the Etihad, but I miss Main Road.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, remind us of the name of your book.
3: It's uh, oh, I remember. Oh, I remember you, uh, which uh, it's ironic because people see they go. Oh, I remember him. Not you. I remember him. I can't even remember the answer out of my book. Oh, I remember him, and uh, it's on Amazon, or you can get it through MikeMcLean.co.uk. Uh,
1: Mike Squeaky McLean, McLean. actually. Right, OK, well, we don't go anywhere, obviously. We've got uh, two city legends on the way. First up, and next up, is the one and only Sean Golter. Excess Manchester. So, this is Excess Manchester, 106.1 FM. Uh, I'm Ian Cheeseman, this is Forever Blue. Don't forget, we're downloadable as a podcast, so if somebody has just walked in the room now and goes... Just heard that. Was that Mike McLean with a new book on just a few seconds ago? It was. I'll say. Yes it was and the book is available Amazon so you can get it in for Christmas and if you want to listen to what he's just said because he's just told us a couple of great stories download the podcast. Uh, I will tweet out the link, XS Manchester tweet out the link. I'll put it on my Facebook and all that business and uh, just click on it and subscribe and then you'll get it every week. Uh, so I'm Ian Cheeseman, Mike Squeaky McLean from City Square and uh, so many other things. He sat with me in the studio uh, and actually... He should have been in the studio with me tonight and he didn't send me a note from his mum. That man is Sean Golter, who completely forgot that we were recording the programme tonight on a Monday because, if you're listening right now, sit here at Shakhtar Donetsk at 8 o'clock tonight and so therefore we're recording this on the Monday night so that I can be over there when the game's on. So how could you possibly forget me, Sean?
0: I know. You know what? I'm going to have to just take this one on the chin. I can't even blame it on technology. I put it in my phone. I just never got my reminder, which was two hours before. It just never reminded me. So I do apologise sincerely. Uh, I, I owe you, especially if I could turn up.
3: That was the worst excuse I've ever heard from the GOAT. That is, I wouldn't even feed him now. If if he was playing now, I wouldn't feed him.
1: That was him arriving on the far post too late when the ball had gone out, wasn't Listen, it?
3: because he's such a legend, he can get away with
1: it. He can. Uh, right, Sean. So. Sure. Let's talk about the football then. Get you on safe ground. Um, the performance against Burnley at the weekend. What do you make of it?
0: Well, yeah. So you know, another superb performance by City, and one I expected. You know, because Burnley, you would, you know, they, the, how they set up and how they have their players work hard. But they were always going to be a team that looked for the set, the odd set piece, uh and the odd, odd counter attacks so yeah, it was about us dominating the game, and and as we did. So you know, pleased that we were able to score as many goals because, um, as everyone says, if Liverpool's gotten closer. Well, we want to take one of the equations right out right out the, right out, the uh, out the game for them, and that's goal difference. So as long as we can keep scoring goals like that, we'll be uh, we'll be uh, on for another one.
1: Were you at the game, or did you just miss it because you were still at home? His, uh, I, his phone I, I didn't
0: remind wasn't him. At the game. <laughs> I w- actually, I wasn't at the game. Um, you wasn't? Right, well, I'll tell I you wasn't. something <laughs> that happened at the show that you
1: should know about at that, this game. The, the crowd was singing your name, Feed the Goal and he will score, and it was prompted by the fact that the Burnley fans were singing Where Were You When You Weren't Very Good and City fans yeah. were reminding them of your <laughs> goals against Burnley because you scored a few, didn't you?
0: This is why I love my fans, you see. Man, listen, this is just they're just awesome out of this world you know they, they well exactly you know when we weren't we're so good well there you go I love that go on let's be having yeah.
1: remind <laughs> me can you remember the goals the old blurring into one because you got that many didn't you
0: uh, against Burnley um, yeah a couple yeah a couple goals I think one one that sort of stands out a little link up with Paulo one chop and one in one of the games and Paulo done a nice little clever back heel and Sort of run to the keeper and, and tap that in. I remember some celebrations with the mascot. Um, so, yeah, Burnley game was always the game, you know, apart from the derby, is when did we play Burnley? <laughs> no, obviously, <laughs> people- for me.
1: I've heard I've heard people, and I've mentioned this to Mike before, saying you know City, City didn't play well in the first half against Burnley, or or actually being more generally sort of crit- getting almost that the word I can think of is blase. They're getting blase about City's performances. I mean, you know, five nil win at home to Burnley. You know, well expected that. Yeah, yeah, that type of language. You can't yeah. possibly think that way, can you?
0: Well, listen. We always heard the saying that you know every game is hard, every game is difficult uh, in the Premier League. Well, yes, that is true to a degree, and I think that when teams come slightly off, then we punish them. And you know, Burnley are are not where they were last season, and therefore they will be slightly off, and 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 that's the outcome. They get punished, and you know, you know, City's still ticking over, and so therefore if. if, if The first half wasn't fluent, and, you know, as graceful as we're used to seeing, you know, Pep would have had them in at halftime and said a few things, made a few tweaks, and and would have went out there and performed. And and for me, one of the huge highlights is having De Bruyne back. I remember doing interviews earlier part of the season when I was saying that, you know, having him come back around this time, I I actually thought it would be around uh, November, but he's, he's obviously sooner. And i I saw it as a new signing, you know, and that could also end the season strong because, he, he, you know, he's missed a good six weeks or so of the season.
1: Now, looking ahead to the Champions League, which we've talked about before, and obviously it's Shakhtar Donetsk standing the way next, an away game in Ukraine, followed with the, the return game as the, the next one in the sequence. So it's back-to-back games. Um, obviously, we, we've talked at length as well about the City fans and Mike can come in on this as to why they don't particularly grasp it. But do you feel as if there's any danger that City could underestimate Shakhtar and yet? Because looking at it, after the win that Leon had, they would seem to be the main team in that group, along with City, don't they?
0: Well, yes, and City will not underestimate because, again... You know, Champions League, everyone outside of City is looking to see just how City's going to fare in these games, and will City be the real rivals, challengers for for, for whichever team, you know, that, that may go on to win it. And that's and I, what I mean is whether that's City or any other teams. And they're looking to see. So, you know, when we play games, like i.e., like Lyon, and then we we, we don't um, perform to the levels that, that everyone expects, then the huge sort of criticism comes out and therefore I think it's important, certainly from, from city's point of view, to to sort of influence the neutral fans that everything's in order. So it's important that City win games like like tomorrow evening. Uh because so quickly, Dalt will come in, and you can get a team like Real Madrid can go and lose a game like that. But Dalt i know they're having bad form right now—but or let's say Barcelona, the wouldn't creep in so quickly. So I think it's just important that you know to perform well uh, in terms of getting the results and keep ticking over and, and and progressing.
1: Where do you stand on the Champions League, Mike?
3: I think this year—I don't know if Sean will agree with me—we've just not been as. I don't know if the word's fast or we've been, you know, normally we rip teams apart, don't we? And this year, and, and yeah. especially against Leon, I was a little bit disappointed, I don't know if you're the same, Sean, but I just thought we just didn't, we weren't clicking or we weren't, uh, you know, out of the, uh, um, what's the word? I'm. We were just at 60, 70%, is that right to say, Sean?
0: Yeah, yeah, and the, the, the Leon game, again, I think, you know these French teams. Some of these French teams are not bad. You know they've got some really talented players, and you see lots of teams are recruiting players from from the different French uh, from French teams. So we we didn't go to blocks fast. We were caught caught off guard, yeah. um, and it looks as though you know, okay, are we one of those teams that's really going to be challenging for a Champions League? So I think we're we were a yard behind, but. We won't be taking certainly tomorrow night's game uh, lightly at all.
3: Even our second game, I still wasn't completely impressed. Even our, you know, but like I think, like Sean says, we've got the goal. Uh, we've got the go We've got. We've. We've. We've got the go back. We've got Kevin back. So you know.
1: But but my question to you, Mike, because I've asked mm-hmm. other people about this, and you can feel the vibe, particularly outside the ground, and obviously I talk to a lot of City fans, and I know Sean does as well. But why is it that City fans don't Going, you know, and not buying into this, and is that making any difference? It shouldn't really. I mean, it shouldn't make any
3: difference what the fans. I'm sure you'll agree, Sean. I remember when I did the match on Sky One. I remember Graham Taylor telling us, "When you're playing football, you will not hear the crowd." And I thought that's rubbish. You can't, but you don't. You never hear the crowd. So I'm thinking, with 11 professional footballers, they shouldn't. They should just play that football. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. But when you play, you don't do. You, you just concentrate on that game, and you know. Later on, if yeah. the goal goes in, yeah, you'll hear that cheer. But you're so concentrated on that game, aren't you? And it shouldn't make well, a difference.
0: No, it shouldn't, not at all. The, 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 the guys will be so focused and tuned into their worlds and responsibilities and in the current activity of what's happening. So they wouldn't hear the, you know, the, the crowd. But at the same time, like, when you hear the crowd, is when the game is three. You know, your your three goals up or four goals up, that's when you start to hear a little bit of the crowd. But, but again, you're you're still pumped because you're you're doing well. You know, you the game is essentially in the bag, and you you're looking to put on even a, a you know to finish off the performance. So, um, for the most part, those players won't hear the crowd and, and until again, they score somewhere around three or four nil, and then they start to hear the odds, you know cheer as to an excellent pass, an excellent bit of skill. You know, and it was in the arse with with close shots.
1: Where are you, Mike, as a fan? As a fan now, just as a pure fan, where are you on the Champions League versus the Premier League?
3: I'd love to have the Champions League. If it was a choice between one of the two, do you mean? Yeah. Definitely Champions League. You
1: see, you and I... I'd
3: come second and have the Champions League every day of the week.
1: See, you and I seem (laughs) to be the odd ones out on this. What,
3: Sean said he'd love the league?
1: what, what, What do you reckon, Sean? You guys are my career fans.
3: And <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't, listen, Sean, surely the Champions the league.
0: league. You are the I league. Would, listen, the Champions League, yes, you know, that's the pinnacle of, of it all. But you know, what's what when we talk about the great teams over the years, is them winning trophies, you know, consecutively or over a sustained period of time. And I think that's you know, it's our era now for for the next ten years or so to 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 win the Premier League consecutively. And I think by being consistent in the, in the Premier League right now as the best league uh, right now in the world, I think that the Champions League will come with that, will come. But if we're slightly taking its focus, Champions League, you know, so many games, you can win the Champions League, uh, I just think about sustaining, winning the Premier League, and the Champions League will come. I still I think we're th- within Pep's time.
3: I still think we were a season away from the Champions League. I, still, I think. I, I, I think it's next year.
0: I, yeah. I wouldn't disagree. I, I, you know, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, if we started out very well in, the, you know, the opening games, and then all the events, okay, this looks really good, really promising. And, and some football is very strange because there will be one or two that will think like yourself and me in that perhaps it's next season and because of you know the the Lyon game and then all of a sudden we could hit two games and, and, and in the Champions League and just think, whoa, this, this looks like it's, listen, it's,
1: listen, it's us. Hey, fellas, let's get realistic about it. Real Madrid have took their eye off the ball. Uh, Barcelona are an ageing team. PSG have, have, have never quite delivered despite having that fantastic forward line that they've got. And and Mm. Liverpool got all the way to the final last year. And we're talking about City being a better team than Liverpool. There's no reason it can't happen this season. But I can't help. I mean, obviously, I'm out of step. I accept that. I'm completely out of step because my dreams at the moment, all centre around winning the Champions League. Of course I want to win the Premier League. I want to win the (laughs) FA Cup. I want to win the League Cup. I wanted to win the Community Shield. But to me, the Champions League is like... The ultimate, the pinnacle. I know it's a cup competition as well, so it's not always the best team that wins the Champions League. But to, to, to imagine myself, uh, you know, dream that I'm I'm going to be in, in uh, Madrid in May, Mer- well, the first of June, and seeing Vincent Company lifting that Champions League, and I think, wow, that there's nothing. What what can ever equal or beat Aguero? Well, it might be or at least get close to it, winning the Champions League. But I'm out of step, aren't I?
3: Well, you're out of step in a way that I don't think Vinny
1: will be lifting it. Um, Why not? I think it'd be David Silva. <laughs> he can do a John Terry. but He's put his shirt on if he's not playing. Um,
3: no, I, I agree with you. I, think now, I, th- I do agree. I, I, I think this year is a, is a great chance for us to win the Champions League. But I just think... There's maybe one or two.
1: What's in your heart, though, Mike? That's what I'm trying to get at. You, agree, you agree with, with me? Don't yeah, I you? do.
3: I do. But I also agree with Sean as well. That I think Sean's right in the respect that you've got to keep winning that Premier League to be a force to be reckoned with, and then go in the Champions League and go right. Okay, well we've had we've won the Premiership three times on the trot now, so now we can go and smash the Champions League. And I, I get get
1: that with Sean, but as a fan, yeah. I want the Champions League. How far? at City away, player wise. I mean, do you think that this? You know, I, I take the point that it might take another year or two, you know, another season, yeah. as Mike's saying. But in terms of personnel, are they there, or do they need a a Killian Mbappé or a you know somebody else to 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 add to this mix?
0: I I I really don't think there's any more pieces to the jigsaw. I, the only thing I would say, and 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 I hate speaking in this way because. He's such a superb player and I, I don't want to be put out that we need someone else to replace him. That's Fernandino because only because we know he's sort of into the thirties. But he's so consistent and he's such a talent you know, talented player. Uh and I would just say that will be the side that I would look at. But you know, when I look at city squad, the you know, the quality, the the um the from the goalkeeper department and that may that may be see her that may be the area because you know, if we got an injury to Addison, then all of a sudden, you see, the, the problem that we have is I don't think there's the same belief for Bravo uh, that we have for Addison. And that's that's where the question... They, we believe in him coming in to play the cup games, but we don't have that belief if he had to come in for six games if Addison was injured. I'd rather have, it, I'd
3: rather have Ian in that, to be honest with you.
0: <laughs> well, besides, yeah, I am exactly. these days. I'll be all right. <laughs> Uh, so, so that may be an area that, that, you know, could, could. To do with uh, having another backing, you know, someone else to, to back up. But other other than that, I think we've got all the pieces um, and I think Pep will conjure the players' armour on the shoulder uh, and get the best out of them because cause of their quality as well.
1: It's keeping them players happy as well. That's the yeah, Absolutely. Sean, thanks for your time tonight. Appreciate it, even though you were supposed to be here. But we'll still like. And, you my, and my
3: boys were here tonight, Sean, and they were both... When I said Sean Gota was going to be here, they were both excited because my oh. little one... My little one is now taking on the mantra of feed the Cooper, and he will score. And I said, look, right. you'll meet Sean, and you can ask him about goal scoring. You're not here. You've devastated this little nine-year-old. Uh, I don't want to make you feel make bad, Sean. To both of you. Well, when I see you, I see you I see in the press room, Sean, and I see him there. Yes. <laughs> I
1: yes, always see Sean in the press
3: room eating. That's all I ever see Sean eating. Oh,
1: we feed him, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, take, Sean. Take again. care, Sean. Cheers. John Golter joining us uh, on Excess Manchester. And we're going to talk to another former City striker um, who was at the game at the weekend, actually. He was there with his grandson. His son, Josh, is also a goalkeeper. He's a goalkeeper at Rochdale. So we'll talk about Joe Hart, uh, as well as City, of course, to Mark Lillis right after this. Excess Manchester. So this is uh, Forever Blue, I'm Ian Cheeseman and this is XS Manchester 106.1 FM with me in studio is Mike McLean, Mike Squeaky McLean. Thank you. Um, and uh, who obviously has his book out for Christmas uh, and we're also going to be talking now to Mark Lillis, the former City striker who I bumped into at the game against Burnley, he sat there with his grandson, uh, obviously has a son called Josh who is a goalkeeper as well so it seemed fitting to chat to him on Saturday because Joe Harp, was between the sticks, and uh how much did you enjoy the game, Mark? That's the first question.
2: Oh, very good. Fantastic. For us. We we could have maybe gone in two or three nil Obviously Joe's made a couple of fantastic saves, but uh, you know, we kept going and um we obviously ended up five nil but um I really, really enjoyed it, and uh, my little lad Colin, who was with me, enjoyed it as well, but he was a little bit scared of heights, so he, was, uh, he asked me not to jump up if City scored, or when City scored, but uh, I did jump up, but I made sure that uh, I had all of him.
1: You were high up there, weren't you, in the third tier? Wow, well, we was,
2: yeah, we was, yeah.
1: Comes with a parachute, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and is it a coincidence that your grandson is called Colin, or is this after the great uh, Mr Bell?
2: No, he's Colin Colin Col- Ah, uh, right, right Sorry, Colin Right, uh, sorry, yeah, Colin. right. C, uh, C-O-A-T-N
1: Right Colin Well, I was going to give you credit for that Anyway, you have no, a Colin. son called Josh He's obviously yeah. a City fan he, he is a Burnley Sorry, a Rochdale goalkeeper And I know you told me when I spoke to you at the game on Saturday That he's always looked at Joe Hart as a bit of a hero Yeah, he
2: has He has uh, all, all over his career He's always uh, looked up to him um, I had the chance to meet him. yet I don't think i has played against him, but uh, no. Like I said on on Saturday, he's, he's a role model, a role model for uh, for young players, especially goalkeepers. Did
1: you watch Joe Hart's performance then with with you know different way of looking at? it Because you're so used to watching your son playing in goal. I know you were a striker, but you've also been a coach. Do you do you look at the goalkeeping performance differently now than you used to do?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Now you know it's about distribution now with the goalkeepers. I know Joe was taking his time to uh, on his goal kick. So, um, but but I knew I thought Burnley came out and and tried to have a have a, have a goal at the first half. But uh, no, uh, I think Joe was trying to you know settle the crowd down, and settle settle uh, everything down. But um, you know in the end we we got the five goals. But um, you know like I said before first half, I thought it was excellent, Joe.
1: There were lots of goals in that game. You mentioned already that City could have been possibly ahead. More than they were at half-time, but there were, you know, a couple of disgruntled voices that spoke to me. How did you feel? I mean, do you do you pinch yourself? I mean, you, you know, you've played football at different levels, you've coached at different levels. Is this as good as it gets, or how do you analyze it?
2: I, I think when you look at it, you know, we're creating chances, and I think that the top players in the game, if, if they miss a chance, they're not too bothered. They'll be bothered about it, but. They want the next chance to come along, and they usually stick it in. You know, that's the the, the top-class players that uh, are around. But, uh, no, I think there was a few people mo- moaning at us, but sometimes, you know, I-, I didn't think we were, you know, 100% first half. We, we played some little uh, quite easy passes, went astray, but, um, you know... Um, got Scotland playing fantastic, and, and there's a belief in, in the uh, in, in the squad now and off. So, you know the lads who came in who've uh, done well. But uh, no, I think uh, goal scoring now, it's, obviously, it's still an art, uh, like it was when I played. But uh, you've got to take your chances. But I think the modern day player, I think they put it to the back of their mind if they miss an easy chance. And uh, Aguero missed a couple of early doors, and then he got his goal and stuck it in well. You know, clinical, the clinical at that level.
1: I'm going to ask you a question now. That, uh, that, that that I don't know how much you saw of it, but you you. When you played at Main Road, you played in a different era when the club was different. You went along for the proper match day experience on Saturday. You sat up in the top tier with your grandson. Did you see anything that happens like Mike McLean in City Square and <laughs> all the stuff that happens around it? I mean,
2: just I mean, say yes, some Matt. guy at City Square, I hit some sort of City Square showing and balling when I was walking past. <laughs> but, uh, but no, that's um, that's all. It's modern. It's modern now in it, technology in it, and social media and everything. But um, no, I was talking to Colin uh, about the the main road experience and going down there, and actually about Colin Bell was one of my favourite players. And uh, but that the game has moved on. You know, as a coach, you have to move on with it. And uh, fortunately for me, I stayed in the game and. Uh, at the moment, I'm not in this game, but I'm still looking. But uh, no, the game. I enjoyed the game on Saturday. I enjoyed, you know, going and watch the warm ups and see if there's any different thing in the warm ups or the stretching and, and, and something to learn. You know, you can learn from games when you go and watch it as a fan as well.
0: Did you do? You,
3: you say that's quite interesting to hear that, Matt. So, do you when you actually watch? Do you think, oh, that's a nice little thing they've done there, or oh, I'll put that in my little locker? And do you do oh, you yeah, see that's... that? Do you?
2: No, oh, definitely. Yeah, you know, you nick things from, uh, from from coaches that you think, oh, well, I'm going to try that. I might adapt it a little bit more because obviously, if I'm seeing some of the, what Premiership footballers are playing, you, and you're working in League One or League Two, you know, uh, or the Championship, you you you, you have to um, mix it up a little bit. But uh, oh no, I definitely do that. It's uh, it's good to get there. I know Josh, when I go with Josh to watch this he, he wants to get there early and watch the goalkeepers, but both sets of goalkeepers uh, work and 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 what and, you know what they do. So uh, no, you're always. Um, even though I'm a fan and I'm a big blue, I'm always trying to uh, improve as a coach as well.
3: So, what you're saying is, you do go there and you nick some of the ideas, right? Okay, excellent. So, we'll just make a note of that Mark Lillis band from the Etihad. <laughs>
2: Keep it I'm a City fan, so, you know what I mean? I Don't, don't let him in with a hat. No, I right. I,
1: I did, well, I'll give you an illustration. I found out a story about, this was a long, long time ago, I found out that Andy Cole, who played for City for a little while, was injured. Somebody told me, and I was a, you know, I am still am a journalist, but I was a journalist at the time, and I thought, I'm not going to tell anybody this. I don't want the opposition to know. So that's a bit like you, really, isn't it? If you did find something out, if you got suddenly got an insight that was completely you know, revelationary, you wouldn't want to tell anybody really. You'd want to keep it to yourself, wouldn't you?
2: Oh, of course you do. You keep it to yourself and it works. Then you you, you pat yourself on the back.
1: <laughs> you take you
3: know, the credit
2: for it. <laughs> yeah, you do, yeah. Oh, you know, you got, you got to do that sometimes in the game, you know, we don't do it enough to I be can, truthful. I mean just uh, imagine
3: Mark training and everybody going, oh, Mark's such a great coach. Where did you learn that gaffer? Just something I
1: I came and thought about last
3: night. Yeah, just plucked out of
2: the air. Yeah, I was (laughs) thinking last night, I was having a receipt, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to do that.
1: Can you believe that the way the games uh, change? Because you played in a Manchester derby on a Saturday, and then at Wembley the day after, for City, in the full Members' Cup final. And look where we are now. Sports science, you've got to have a three-day break, players have ice baths. I don't know, did they do that? I don't suppose they did that in your day. It might have been icy in, at Main Road, but it, it wasn't done deliberately, was it?
2: No, the only thing I had uh, that weekend was uh, at half time at Wembley was uh, an injection up the bum. You know, it was one of them at the top of my hamstring was sore and the doctor said, I want to tell the gaffer. I said, no, don't tell the gaffer. Just, just try and sort it out. So he said, right. So next thing you know, his injection come out and it was right in the top of my uh, buttock. So, uh, and that just killed the pain and I got through the game. And that's what it did in them games. You know, in them days, it, sometimes it was taken an anti-inflammatory three times a day to get through uh, the pain. Was you, you know, not tired no at all? Of,
3: was you not tired at all Matt, the next day?
2: I think I think mentally you, you, you you're tired. I mean, we all down there straight after the Old Trafford two-two game and straight into the hotel, um, and then we're up and then. Um it's game on again. I mean, we were five-one down that game, and I'm, I'm looking up at my family, thinking, "Oh my God, I've got to go back to Manchester. We're losing it." And you know, fortunately, we got we got back to five-four. But now, thinking that you know, you just get on with it. You know, you've got to do it. So you just you just get on with it. And we, you know, you play two ninety-plus minutes, and uh, especially the derby, the United and City one. Um, but going to Wembley and playing Chelsea, it's just one of them. Your mentality gets you through it. Didn't you score?
1: A, some people say he scored that trick that day.
2: Yeah, I claimed I claimed that trick. Uh, David Speedy got the other trick, but uh, I claimed it. But Doug Ruby, a big uh, Scottish left back, apparently glanced it, and I, I glanced it, and it must have come off his head. But I was trying to claim it, but the referee was not having it. But uh, I thought we might have had to cut the ball in half, but uh, for, for Speedy and me to get it. But no, he was not having it. So I ended up with two. But um, but it was a great weekend for me and, and for all, the, all all the players and that. It was. Uh, you know, it was uh, brilliant to play with. Surely,
3: surely, surely, the most difficult bit after that, after that derby was peeling them shorts off because them shorts were so tight. You'd have had <laughs> oh, to, oh, no, the yeah. amount of swore hey, figure that you would have had to use to peel them shorts <laughs> oh. off, and then to have somebody pull them back on you. On a Sunday, and then take the—they were the tightest shorts I've ever seen on a player. Do you remember them? Yeah. they weren't yeah, shorts; they were virtually
2: knickers. Yeah, you just—you just shaved your legs the night before the game, so <laughs> it was, you were fine. You—you you, you were all right. No, they were. Uh, I remember going to a game, uh, and all the City fans were singing, "How I do wear your shorts." How <laughs> I do you wear your shorts? How <laughs> I do? And I'm laughing my head off. This was about about a year ago, like. So they remembered me then. But yeah, you when I look at photos uh, from them, sitting James, God them thoughts were like hot pants weren't
1: they oh, so let me ask you both one final question to finish this week's uh, uh, um, Forever Blue which is really where you came from and why you were a blue because I'll ask Mike in a second but your, your dad presumably was the reason uh, Mark because I, I, I met your dad he used to be on the door at, at Lancashire County Cricket Club doing the car parking and what a lovely fellow by the way uh, but was he the reason you ended up being a blue because you weren't just a player you were a fan weren't you you are a fan
2: yeah, definitely. You, you, you know, you, you didn't have a, you know, I think when you were born, after you know, 10 seconds after you're born, you're a blue. But my dad always went to the games with my uncles and and uh, my aunties and that, and my brothers and sisters. We're we're always blue, and, and that's it. You're right. I'm a fan. You know, and to and to put the shirt on and, and score on my home debut was was fantastic, and no one can take that away from you, even though I got sold um, at the end of the next season. Um, you know that's another story, but no, you, 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 it comes from from when you when you uh, you know when you get born, you're either a blue or a, or a red. So we, we were a blue family, so and, and you're just so passionate about it. You know, it's uh, we've got some great memories uh, of me going to watch cup finals in '69 in the FA Cup when Neil Young scored, and obviously when I played for, for us. So um, no, it's, it's great memories.
1: The Phil Foden of your day.
2: Oh, Phil Foden, yeah, I love the kid. I think he's, he's fantastic he and go out there and express himself. And I think uh, Pep's uh, created an environment where it's a safe and friendly environment where, you know, it's, like call it the dance floor. Go, go and dance, go and enjoy yourself and go and play and, and entertain. And uh, that's what we're doing.
1: Mark, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks very much for your time. No
2: problem. Anytime. Cheers, that's Mark Lillis.
1: Now, I've got to, I'm going to finish off by asking you. You you, you were born in Spain. I was, um, yeah. I quite, but, but you're a blue, dyad blue. Yeah. I How brought, did that happen?
3: I was born in Spain. My dad, my mum's Spanish, dad's Irish. And um, I always remember going to a do and and, and uh, with my mum at Bellevue. Remember Bellevue? You and mean I, the bobs and everything? Yeah, and yeah. I, I saw somebody wearing the blue shirt with the diamonds. And I just love that Umbro, kit. Umbro, Umbro, yeah. yeah. And that, I just love that. I, I think I even mentioned it in my book. And... Um, I just. Why, have you got a book out? I, I don't know. Mention, I don't want to mention it, but I've got a book out. <laughs> although I remember him, Amazon and and I just thought, wow, I love that kit. And I was like, who's that? And that's Manchester City. And I was like, right. And then my dad, and I said, I love... It was I'm, Mick Shannon era. Yeah, it, it was. And Peter Barnes and of... Gary Owen, who yeah, I work yeah. with now, who, you know, and Joe Curry. And I just remember that being a great kit. And then, me, and I was just, that was it now. I was just city, city, city. And then my dad had a friend called Alan who used to go every week. And my birthday was in August. It still is. I've not changed it. <laughs> and then um, they, um, just a season ticket. And now my two boys are really in the studio now. Even though I live in London they uh, were billows. So when they were born, Carter, my best mate, Degsy, got Carter his shirt, the the, the kit that was out then with 07, is it? Yeah, 07. And then when Cooper was born, I got him with 09. So they're both framed. In fact, Gary only framed him for me. (laughs) So they sit with the kit and they are the two. And when we won the league, my boys were at school with their city kits on. They went, oh, you're jumping on the bandwagon. And they were like, no, my dad's a City fan. We're.... And I went, no, mate, they're not. And he went, heard the accent and went, oh, no, you, you're a City fan. And these two are City fans and they're, they're the bigger City fans than me. Do they sing? They don't sing, thank the Lord. They don't sing.
1: Oh, because I was going to get him to sing, but they're giving me the old... No, he won't sing and he won't sing, no.
3: <laughs> but you've seen him. you you know, they... they uh, do you know what? You, getting back to the Junior Blues, I just... My niece came to the Junior Blues when she was little, I don't even remember, and I just wish that it was around because these are the two they, that, you absolutely, know... Absolutely, they'd love it. Yeah, they'd love it. But Mike, they love City Square, so... It's been an absolute pleasure having you oh, here. Oh, it's always, always a pleasure. Book
1: and, thank and, and, you. And obviously we love... Thanks loved, for having me. And the, the number of City fans that say how much they love, genuinely love watching you. Oh, you. you know, you're so funny and so natural and nah, so genuine and everything. So thanks very much. No, then. no, thank you. Thank and, you so and we'll much. Have you, we'll have you back before you know where you are. That's thank it for now. Uh, the game obviously is, is not too far away. This was pre-recorded because I'm over there now, sat in the stadium. What thinking. a great result. I wanted the show <laughs> to what, what a great result that
3: was. I didn't see that score coming, did <laughs> you? you know
1: what? I'll be on the plane soon and I'll be back tomorrow night, i.e. Wednesday night, on the Wednesday Club. So see you then.